Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. So let's get right into the Word, knowing that God will speak into our lives today. There in Mark chapter 4, let me read the first part of Mark chapter 5. Now, in the light of what we're fixing to read in Mark chapter 4, the first few words of Mark chapter 5 are glorious. It says, and they came over unto the other side. Let me try that again. Well, we'll we'll try it again in a minute after we read Mark chapter 4. Anyway, let me read it like this. They came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him a man out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because he had been often bound with fetters and chains. And the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Wouldn't that be wild to live in an area like that? Here's some man up in the mountains there screaming and crying out and cutting himself. It says, but when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with thee? Jesus, thou son of the most high God, I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, what is thy name? And he answered and said, my name is Legion, for we're many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there were nine to the mountains, a great herd of swine feeding. And the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran valiantly down a steep place into the sea. There were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. I bet bacon went up. <laughs> Maybe not. That's in Israel. They probably didn't eat much bacon, but anyway. And they that fed the swine fled and told it to the city and in the country. And they went out to see it. And they came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had, and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befall uh, to him uh, that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. Now, Aren't you glad, or can't you agree with this guy that was possessed by all these, those devils? Aren't you glad Jesus got there? I know he was glad. I bet he was ecstatic. I bet he was so happy not to be naked, out of his mind, cutting himself with stones, breaking every chain that they put on him, untamed, amen, just running amok, and now he's delivered from the I guarantee he's very happy, very joyful that Jesus was able to get to him. Now, that shows us right there Jesus is trying to get to people. Jesus is trying to get to hurting people. Jesus is trying to get to demon-possessed people. Jesus is trying to get to sick people. Jesus is trying to get to desperate people. Come on, church. And the enemy tries to do everything he can do to try to hinder Jesus from getting to those hurting people. Now, back up into chapter 4. Let's, let's, let's uh, look at how this came about. Chapter 4, verse 35 says, In the same day when it even was come, he said unto them, Now notice this, 
Notice this phrase here, let us pass over unto the other side. Now, in my Bible, those are red letters. Not that red letters would be any more important than any other word that you would have revelation of. It just indicates Jesus spoke that. Amen? I mean, all the Word of God, the Bible says is profitable. The entire Word is profitable. Now, now, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go to the other side. Notice the, the, the activity of Jesus. There's always activity in the kingdom. There should never be any inactivity. Amen? Now, we enjoy it around here. I mean, I, mean, I know many of you uh, uh, have taken your place as a, as a minister in the kingdom. Not that you're a, a five-fold minister, an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher. But when you're out in the public, you witness, you pray for people. You, you, uh, uh, some of you I know I've even talked to that, that carry tracts and hand out tracts. You pray with people. You're active in the kingdom. And because of that, you're, you're getting to people. You're getting Jesus to hurting people. Every person ought to be active like that in the kingdom. Everyone. You know, the problem with a lot of people is you get holed up around your needs. You know, you got all these needs, you get holed up. Listen, if you'll go out and meet someone else's needs, your needs will be automatic. There's all kinds of people all around you that have all kinds of needs. And if you just work on getting their needs met, you'll, you'll see how quickly God will make sure your needs are met. Amen? So there's always movement, and I like to say it like this, forward movement. We never go back. We move forward. There's always forward movement in the kingdom. Now notice, he said to his disciples, let us pass over unto the other side. It says, and when he had sent the multitude away, he took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. Now notice verse 37, and there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so it was now full. Now, anytime God gets moving, there's going to be opposition. I believe we're we have experienced and are experiencing a dimension of opposition. And because we've been a part of it so long, we're really not even aware of it. Because we've just decided to go on in the midst of it. But you can go back 20, 25 years. I can remember myself 20, 25 years. And then I can go back in my life 40, 45 years ago. And remember uh, times in which it just seems like there was a, a meeting on every corner, a move of God, uh, uh, auditoriums were being filled up with thousands of people, uh, uh, camp meetings and conferences and all kinds of stuff was taking place, and you didn't have near the resistance that you have today. But there's resistance today to the movement of the kingdom. And that resistance comes in many levels. Now, now the level that you're most acquainted with is your personal level. How many of you felt some resistance in your life in the past few years? Even now, some of you are, are sensing resistance, physical resistance, financial resistance, resistance in your mind, all kinds of areas. You think, why is this coming against me? Why is this rising up in my life? Well, it just may be there's a madman somewhere that needs you. <laughs> Amen? It just may be there's somebody having problems with the devil that needs you, and the adversary is doing everything he can do to stop you from getting there. Or let's just say it like this. There's a, there's a place of breakthrough that God wants to get you to because Jesus has said, let's go to the other side. And the enemy's doing everything he can do to try to stop you from getting there. I believe it financially for this church. You say, what do you believe? I believe there's a tremendous windfall of finances fixing to hit this church. It's going to be an outstanding miracle. It's going to shake this entire region. 
People are going to go, how in the world did that happen? And we're going to be able to take them right to the Word of God and say, well, I will show you right here. Jesus is building the church. The Bible says, unless the Lord build the church, those that labor, labor in vain. We're not laboring in vain. We're staying as close as we know how to, to the standard of the Word of God, tithing, offering, giving, walking according to the standard of the Word of God, because God spoke to us. Jesus, the head of the church, said, let's go to the other side. The other side is a greater place of effectiveness in our lives, in your life personally. I remember in, when was it, sweetie, 1996, Leah had a business that she owned. They had a business downtown that had uh, basically never made much money. It afforded them some wages. They made some wages on. And, and so she knew in her spirit it was time to, to leave that business and, and join me in the ministry. And so, you know, we just believed God. She stepped out and did it during that year. And it was amazing the resistance we got. But as soon as we got to the other side, <laughs> I'm telling you, the, the blessings of God, our ministry literally doubled in like two or three months when we got to the other side. Listen, you got to do everything you can do to get to the other side. You say, why? Because there's an other side of every problem that we're involved in. Some of you need to hear that tonight. There's another side of every problem that we're involved in, and God wants to get you to the other side. But then many times, exactly what happened here to Jesus is a storm rises up. Amen? Now, you know, these storms are unique. These storms in the Gulf. I, I find, I'm fascinated that they name them now, that they give them a, a, an, an entity. And not only that, well, what has amazed me, something I don't know if you've noticed this in the past, uh, I guess it's been the past five years, they've started naming winter storms. I saw a deal on the other day. Uh, we were, I was looking at the, 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 the long-range weather forecast. I like to know, you know, if I need to buy new hunting clothes or not. <laughs> Don't shake your head like that. This year they're calling for a brutal winter. It's fine with me. I like brutal winters. Makes the ducks fly, amen? Makes the fish bite. But they already have the list of names of the winter storms. And you know, what's funny about the adversary, he loves to name your storm. You ever notice that? He'll give it a physical name. You know, like, like notice all the names of diseases, the, the cancers, the heart diseases, the leukemias, the, uh, the arthritis, the diabetes, all these different names. Because one thing about naming something, you give it an identity when you name it. But the good news is we're involved with the greatest identity in the universe. And his name is Jesus, and the Bible says his name is above every name. So no matter what the enemy has named your storm tonight, you've got to rise up and use the name of Jesus against it. And say, in Jesus' name, you're not going to overcome me. You're not going to overwhelm me. You're not going to drive me out with a flood or a fire. You're not going to do that at all. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to rise up and I'm going to get to my other side in Jesus' name. Now notice. It says there arose not just a storm, but a great storm of wind. And the waves beat unto the ship so that it was now full. He was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. Now, isn't that amazing about Jesus? Now, I think what we do many times is we put ourselves in the, in the, in the you know, we, we, we view ourselves as the disciples. Now, let me say this to you tonight. Don't get mad at me for saying this, but you're going to have to hear it if you're going to get to the other side. As long as you view yourself as a disciple, you're going to stay in the ship and you're going to stay in the storm. 
Oh, you can't sacrilege. I wouldn't say that. No, you're in Christ. I said, you're the one, you're the one asleep on the pillow. See, that's not how we view ourselves. That's, that's not, how, that's, that's not how, it's been, how it's been taught over the years. It's always been taught that we're the, we're the poor disciples, all wet, and, and all of the, the, the uh, uh, you know, all the waves are beating on the ship, and, and, and we're about to drown, and, and oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? But in reality, God, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, God has put us in Christ. Because you see, there was one person in that ship who was in charge of the storm and of the sea. You say, who was that? That's Jesus. You say, well, if we could just get him down here, we'd do something about the storm. No, now he's in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. But the problem is some of you are asleep. <laughs> Amen. I know this is, I ought to pre probably ought to be preaching this on Sunday morning instead of Wednesday night. But I know the, uh, the message that we've preached over the years, Brother John Osteen, I think it originated with him. Wake up the Word. Everybody say, wake up the Word. Everybody say, wake up the Word. So today as I was praying about and meditating on what to teach on tonight, how do you do that? If Christ is in you, and if the Word is in you, how do you wake it up? Well, first of all, if it's not active in you, you need to activate it. Now, I'm going to say a couple of things tonight, and, and, you know, if it rubs the fur the wrong way, then turn the cat around. Other dog. No, we're dog people. Amen. <laughs> anyway, any word that's dormant in you, you say, what do you mean? Well, any revelation that's in you that you're not currently acting upon and confessing. Now, see, that's, that's where we really have issues because, you know, we're busy. Well, everybody's busy. But there has to be a daily, how can I say that? A daily reviving of the word that is in you. You say, why? Because there's a daily attack against you. And without a daily reviving of that which is on the inside of you, you know what will happen is day after day after day will go by and you had not applied the word to that situation. That thing starts getting the preeminence over you. It starts gaining strength. Come on, church. The problem is, is we give our problem strength by our own passivity. You say, what do you mean? We get passive in the things of the Spirit, passive in the things of the Word of God. Now, I don't know. I, I just, uh, and, and I, people try to do, well, it's because you're a preacher. This, I, it's not. It's because year after year after year after year after year, I have so intimidated my mind with the Word of God that unconsciously many times during the day, and especially when I'm going to bed the night, and especially when I'm waking up in the morning, the Word is constantly rolling in my thoughts. Amen. And then every day I speak that Word. Every day. I have a little routine. We play badminton with some guys here in, in Galveston, the old YMCA, and I, I, get, I get there an hour early and I, and I work out. Y'all, the Bible says... You know, physical exercises profit a little bit. Help keep you alive, amen? And so I, I have my routine where I run. I do calisthenics. I run. I do calisthenics. I run. I do calisthenics. Then I play. I got a little basketball. I play myself in basketball, and, and I win every time. But I lose every time, too, so it's a win-lose situation. <laughs> but while I run, I'm constantly confessing the Word. On the way to there and on the way leaving, I'm constantly confessing the Word. 
uh, just about anything that I do. It seems like once you allow the Word of God to permeate your thinking through meditation, through confession, through acting upon the Word of God, that there's something in the Word that allows it to remain abiding and present in you. If you give it expression. Without expression, then it's an effort. Now let me say that again. Without expression, it's a ooh, I don't know if I ought to say that or not, Lord. In a marriage, unexpressed affection causes people to grow cold. Well, you hadn't told me you love me in 20 years. Well, you know I do. No, I don't. Come on, church. Well, you know I love you. Well, you haven't told me that in 20 years. See how it dies on the inside. It's unexpressed. I don't know how we got off on marriage, but man, the Spirit of God just rose that up in my spirit. I tell Leah all the time how beautiful she is, how much I love her. Don't I, sweetheart? I do. It's expressed affection all the time. Keeps her alive in my heart. Amen. That'll keep your eyes from wandering. Got quiet in here. <laughs> Same thing with the Word of God. The expression of the Word of God is that what you think and say. And if you'll continually meditate upon the Word by just, 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 just let it roll, mumble it. Thank you, Father. Oh man, I'm so. Oh man. Just I, I, that one scripture there. It's, I can't get off of it in Second Corinthians chapter nine about all grace abounding. That God is able. Oh, glory to God. God, I serve a God that's able. The, the whole Muslim world can't say that. The whole Hindu world can't say that. The whole Buddhist world can't say that. But I can say I got a God that's able. Yeah. Woo, glory to God. He's able to what? To make grace, all grace, all grace. Divine God ability to work in my, I mean, you just, it's just been rolling uh, for like two weeks. Every time I think about it, I think, my God's able to make all grace abound toward me. That means being sufficient and every good thing. I mean, it just rolls over on the inside of me. I give expression to it. I think about it. And, and if you notice how other thoughts try to get you to do the same thing with it. Because they know the process. Let me say that again. They know the pro Your adversary knows the process. He would love for you to entertain. See, what are you entertaining? If you entertain the storm, it grows. If you're entertaining the storm, it gets me. And see, those boys in that boat, that's what they were doing. They were entertaining the storm. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, thank God they figured out Jesus was alive. I mean, was asleep in, in the ship, and they woke him up. But when they woke up the Word, the Word did immediately what the Word should do. Amen? So in your own mind and with your own mouth, you have to continually give expression to that word that's working. You say, well, you just, you just go around, you mean thinking about the Bible? The, talking about talking, the, saying the Bible? Yes! It's the word of Almighty God. I, I, I developed a confession just, well, it wasn't this year. It's been about two years now. Just on the word of God. Just on the word. I mean, I have a healing confession. I've got a prosperity confession. I've got a redemptive confession. I've got a joy confession. I've got a righteousness confession. I just, I, I thought, one day I was just studying the word of God and I got me a word confession. I confess the word about the word. 
I confess the, thank you, Heavenly Father. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Your word is a lamp unto my, uh, a light unto my path, a lamp unto my feet, light unto my path. Your word forever, O Lord, I've hid your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your word shall not return void. Your word shall accomplish that were to it is sin. You watch over your word to perform it. Heaven and earth could pass away. Your word will never pass away. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Woo, that just thrills me. I give expression to it. I meditate on it. I say it every day. And the word just gets bigger and bigger on the inside. Amen? Lee and I, we read the Bible at night together before we go to bed. And we're, for some reason, we got over into Daniel. And it wasn't last night. It was the night before last. We were reading about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Nebuchadnezzar had died. His son was reigning in his steed. And he built a golden statue. And they had this huge orchestra. We're reading it in the Message Bible, so it's real descriptive. They got this huge orchestra. When the orchestras were supposed to play, you're supposed to bow down and worship. Supposed to bow down and worship. And so they started up, played, and everybody bowed down but three guys. They're over there standing there. And the guy, no, nobody could believe these people wouldn't do it. So they, they, they did it again. Those guys still standing. So they gathered them up. They said, we're going to throw you in a fiery furnace. And they heated the Bible. The Bible says, now I don't know how they did this. Because I know they didn't have no propane or propane accessories back then. <laughs> Amen. But they somehow, they heated that thing seven times. And the, just think about getting thrown into a fire that is so hot that the people that throw you into the fire die. Now, no way. Some of you just, let me try that again. Just think about being thrown into a fire so hot that the people that throw you into the fire die. Now, you say, well, what does that mean? That means this. God was working before you went into the fire. He was already working. And in the fire, they start walking around. They're not supposed to walk around. I was getting thrilled just reading it to Leah. Freckles was getting happy. It's our weenie dog. Amen. And then that old wicked king looked in there, and he didn't see three. He saw four. And he said, the fourth one looked like the Son of God. Well, them boys had been given some expression to word the covenant that was on the inside of them. They were men of excellence. They were men of a covenant. Even in, a, even, in a, even in a land of captivity in which their own nation had been brought, taken away captive, they still served God. Amen. Amen? Now, these guys, these disciples, they're in a storm. There arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, and so it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship. This is in verse 38. Asleep on a pillow, and they awake him and said unto him, Master... Carest thou not that we perish? He arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? So we're talking about waking up the word. I say waking up the word. So we give expression to the word. I'm going to say give expression to the word. Then we must 
worship and praise. Now, what did he say? How is it that you have no faith? Now, you can begin to gauge your faith by your worship and praise. Now, I, for years, I, I, for years, many years, I've taught on that many times. I've always thought this. I've always thought, you know, because Peter's always the guy that does it. You know, whether it's good or bad, good, bad, or ugly or indifferent, Peter's always, you know, he was the number one knucklehead, but he was also the number one gut man, you know. He'd, he'd, sometimes he'd just pull it off, and other times he'd just step in it, you know. <laughs> but I always thought Peter should have got up and rebuked the wind in the sea like Jesus did. Amen? Amen? But in reality, they should have just got up and worshipped that he was in the boat. Just thank God. he. Lord, we thank you. What caused them not to respond in a faith way to the storm? Are you ready? The storm. Whatever the storm produces is looking for you to give what you should be giving to the Word. It's looking for you to give it to it, to the storm, to the, what the doctor said, to the, what the banker says, to what the, what the, whatever it is, to what the weather people are saying, to whatever they're saying. They're looking for you to give that same expression because they know it amplifies through human flesh, through human... You say, what do you mean through human flesh? Through the mind and the voice and the soul of a human being Creation can take place. We say, why? Because we're creators. And the atmosphere, now here's something you have to understand. The atmosphere was conducive for faith because it was a storm. Now, now you're going to have to hear that with your spirit. The atmosphere was conducive to faith. You say, why? Because it was a storm. Why do you think that Paul writes to us? Paul writes to us, and James writes to us, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Uh, Paul writes to the church at Rome and the church at Galveston, you glory in tribulation, but we glory in tribulation. Why? Because he's saying the storm of your life is your arena to operate in this force called faith that is not a human force, but a divine force that God has allowed you to handle. So your current storm is what? Is your opportunity to prove this faith, this stuff works, this stuff works. I'm telling you, faith works. Faith works. Brother Hagin said one time, have faith in your faith, and everybody went nuts. He got criticized so much for that, for that saying. But if you've ever received anything by faith, if you've ever been in a storm and faith got you out of that storm because you believed in your heart, you confessed with your mouth, you stood on the Word of God, when there was no reason to praise God, you praised God. When there was no reason to worship, you worshiped. When there was no reason to do anything other than moan and groan and complain about your situation, you rose up in the Word of God, you stood your ground, and God broke through for you. You can have faith in your faith. These guys didn't have any faith in any faith. They never operated in it. But the Word did what it was supposed to do. What is it supposed to do? It's supposed to, 
all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction and righteousness, so men and women of God might be perfected and thoroughly furnished. The Word got up, rebuked the storm, caused it to calm, and turned to the problem and said, you have no faith. It rebuked and corrected them. Amen? And Jesus was what? Jesus was the master of the storm. And then he died on the cross. And he defeated every reason for a storm. And then he rose from the dead and is seated at the right hand of the Father so he can be in your boat. In your spirit. And when you give expression to him, that's why praise and worship is so important. Uh, back when we were studying, I think on the heart or something, we talked about how worship is so much more than just uh, you know, singing the slow songs. So we got the praise song, then we got the worship song. Worship is so much more than that. I said worship is so much more than that. Worship is the acknowledgement of God for who He is despite your circumstance. And so many people never really worship from their heart. How do we get off on that? Now notice this. They feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and sea should obey him? Now notice that last phrase. What manner of man is this that even the wind and sea should obey him? The manner of man it was that even the wind and sea should obey him is the manner of man or woman you are now. Amen. See, we don't say, well, I'll tell you what. I spoke against Ike, and it flooded my house. <laughs> Our problem is, we are result-oriented people, and we do not see the bigger picture. I'm telling you, we don't. We live out our 60, 70, 80, 90 years, and it's the Bible says, the flower withereth, the grass fadeth, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. Amen. I mean, they... they in the Word of God, mankind's lifespan and is viewed as a, as a vapor, as a mist that appears in the morning and is gone in the evening. But God sees the bigger picture of what's going on. So what we do is we recognize that it's the one that calmed the sea, the one that spoke His Word. He is the one who is now in you. You are in Christ Jesus. You are a reproduction of the original product. <laughs> Let me say that again, because if you really got a hold of that, that would thrill your soul. You are a reproduction. You say, well, preacher, you just act like we ought to go around, just lay hands on sick people and cast out devils and speak to hurricanes. And just well, we've been doing that for 33 years. Well, does it work every time? We ain't keeping score. I said, we're not keeping score. You say, why not? Because it's as the Word works in you and through you. Amen. Now, let me close with this. This, this. this may help some of you. Because sometimes it's the other angle. You say, what do you mean? Just think if there was no storm. And they got in the boats to go to the other side. All right? So they, get, they, they launch out, maybe a little breeze is blowing, they put up a sail, and out they go, and they're beautiful, you know, maybe a moonlit night, beautiful stars in the sky, 
No clouds whatsoever. And they start talking. And I remember we crossed this place at night about three years ago. And I'm telling you, a storm came up just like that. And the other guy says, I remember that. Because I was with my dad that night and it liked to drown both of us. And the other one began to say, well, you know, I don't know about this Jesus guy, I tell you. There's some strange things that's gone on. He wants us to go on the other side. I ain't no telling what's on the other side. I know he said we're supposed to go, but I'm, I'll tell you, I was afraid to even get in the boat. Amen? And they just start talking doubt, unbelief, all that kind of stuff. Now, nobody would ever have said anything about that. Nobody would even mention it. Well, it's just human nature. Amen? Nobody would have said nothing. Nobody would have ever. It wouldn't have been written. That's just human nature. Talk about your storms. Talk about your problems. Talk about circumstances. Talk about situations. Talk about all the, you know, we got a Republican that's a president now. We got, we got gridlock at the White House. We got, uh, I don't know what the economy's going to do. Got a, got a storm in the Gulf. Got this. Got that. Got the doctors that said this. They're, they're laying off at the plants. They're doing this. They're doing that. It, listen, it is your fallen nature to rehearse, celebrate, and entertain your storm. And if you don't have one, it's your fallen nature, or let me say it like this, it was your fallen nature to talk about the ones you used to have. And you get a bunch of old disgruntled Christians together that's been through all kinds of storms, and brother, you can have, I like what one, who was it? <laughs> it was, it was uh, Brother Fred Price, a pastor that built a beautiful church out in California. He said he quit having testimony services on Wednesday night. He said Wednesday night used to be testimony service. So he had testimony service on Wednesday night. And so he said he quit having them because he was tired of organ recitals. Some of you may have heard him say that. He said he'd get up. He said one person get up and says, my liver. My liver's been killing me all week long. The other person gets up and says, well, not my liver. It's my kidneys. The other one get up and says, well, it's my heart. The other one gets up and says, my lungs. He said, I got tired of the organ recitals. Now, before you got saved, and you know this like you know your name. It was your nature to talk up the problem. Now come on. And let's just get real honest. Y'all want to get real honest? You would embellish it. Okay, let's say, let's say it where we can handle it in church. No matter what your problem was, you would give a little creative expression to it. Amen? Now, the reason was, is you were looking for, anybody know? Sympathy. I need, uh, actually, actually I, I, the word sympathy is okay, but I like the word pity. Because if no one will come to your pity party, you will attend it yourself for everyone else. Now, here's the guests that love to come. Emotions, they're the first one to come, and they come loaded. Amen? They're bringing all the snacks. They're bringing everything. You know, they've got, they, them, emotion shows up, you know. <laughs> Amen? There's your emotion. And then, and then there's the, 
the, the, the, the pain comes right after that, the pain whether it's emotional pain, financial pain, physical pain. And, and what you like to do is you like to make sure everybody sees how your pain is dressed. Amen. So you got emotions, you got pain. And, 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 then, and then what shows up, the last, here's, here's your last guess that comes in. It's victim mentality. Because with with, with your emotion and with your pain, then you can categorize yourself and you can associate yourself with others that are going through the same storm. And you can all sail in your boat together. <laughs> and, and, and look at the way, here comes a big one. What was that one, that one show? You don't like it. I, I watched part of it one time. They had a big wave, and a guy was going up in a boat like he was going to make it, you know. You know, and, didn't, and, and that's how people, you can see them in the storms of life, and they're, well, I'm going to give it everything. And you know, I mean, you're no match. You're no match for the storm. Amen. So it takes a, and let me, let me just, thank you, Lord, for reminding me of that, because if, if you wouldn't remind me, I would have forgot it. It takes no conscious effort to do any of that. It's so automatic in you. Your soul, your mind, your emotions, your flesh loves it. Your flesh actually, come on, now, now you want to get real honest? Many of us, in those times of our life before we got saved, it was almost like we enjoyed it. Come on. There was an element of pleasure to it. Come on. There was an element of, you say, why? Because it's a self-serving bunch of hoo-ha is what it is. Whatever hoo-ha is. Where on the other side is, is an effort to put your emotions in check. I ain't crying this time. I'm telling you. Amen. I'm not going to sit here and cry and weep and call to get on my, my email and, and put my little face with a little tears on it and Come on. And that would be a really good time to cut your phone off, cut your computer off, get your Bible, go into your prayer room, put your hands up, and start worshiping God. Now, that's an effort, and it's a labor. But if you will do it, you will break through the waves and the wind and all of that stuff, and you'll be able to stand up and say, peace, be still, in Jesus' name. Because as long as you're willing to go to your own pity party, you're going to remain in the storm, no matter what it is. But if you will make a decision, I'm not going to be like the disciples. I'm going to be like Jesus. I'm going to wake up the Word in me. It's not going to be dormant. I'm going to give expression to it. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to glorify His name. I'm going to exalt Him. I'm not going to look at the waves, wind. I'm not going to look at the circumstances. I'm not going to keep peeking at my checkbook. Keep taking my blood pressure every hour. Amen. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to glorify His name. I'm going to go to the other side. Because on the other side is my breakthrough. I may deliver a demoniac on the other side in Jesus' name. Amen. Did that help you tonight?
Lift up your hands and worship the Lord. Father, we worship you tonight. Oh, Father, we thank We don't make fun of anybody's storm. But, Father, we thank you tonight that you are the calmer of the seas. That your word in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory can calm any storm, can stop any situation, can cause the glory of God to manifest. And, Father, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And, Father, we thank you tonight that your blessing, your glory, your goodness, your grace, that you're causing all grace to abound unto us. We're so thankful, Father. And in every individual here tonight that's facing a storm in their life, I come into agreement with their faith that they'll rise up and worship you in the midst of that storm and give expression to their answer and rise up for the new creation that they are and receive that which God has for them. In Jesus' name. And everyone says, praise God. Stand up tonight. Thank you for joining us. We trust you enjoyed the message today. For services and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.